Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, this episode with Karen is really great. I really enjoyed getting to know her a little bit. Uh, Karen is the principal trumpet with the National Arts Center Orchestra of Canada. She also teaches at the University of Ottawa. And then we also discussed a women's brass collective that she started up just before the pandemic started. Uh, and that's pretty cool. And I just hope that you will get a lot from her perspective and uh, things about trumpet and just general career related stuff. And uh, I just think it's going to be a really cool thing. So I hope you enjoy it. Before we get into that, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor for the podcast, Houghton Horns. For those of you that aren't familiar, Houghton Horns is a family-owned business in Keller, Texas, and their mission is to spread the joy of music through providing the highest level of products, services, and resources to the brass playing community. A little while back, Houghton Horns sent me a Bach C-190C trumpet, a Shires 4S8C trumpet, and uh, those along with my own personal Bach C trumpet, I compared and contrasted them and made a video that's on their YouTube channel. So I played a number of different excerpts to show off different parts of the instrument, such as the tone or the articulation or the upper register. And I just played a little bit of the excerpt and then revealed which horn was playing it. At the end of it, I played pictures at an exhibition and I did not reveal which horns were which. And I was hoping people would sort of debate in the comments uh, which horns they thought it was. So if that sounds interesting to you, I'm going to leave a link in the description where you can go check that video out. At Houghton Horns, they strive to put service to the customer as their top priority. Whether you are a beginner student, a hobbyist, or a full-time professional, Houghton Horns can help you find what you're looking for. Go to HoughtonHorns.com for more information. Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and on today's episode, I am pretty excited to be speaking with Karen Donnelly. She is the principal trumpet of the National Arts Center Orchestra of Canada, also a founder of the Canadian Women's Brass Collective. She's also involved with the Canadian National Brass Project and teaches trumpet at the University of Ottawa. There's going to be a lot to talk about. Uh, Karen, I've seen on social media, we're just talking about this right before uh, we started, you know, we've seen each other on social media spheres, so it almost feels like I know you a little bit, even though we've never had any formal discussions. So I'm actually excited to sort of sit down one-on-one -on -one and uh, get to know you a little bit and have an actual conversation. Um, you sound beautiful uh, on the videos that you've put out. And so I'm excited to sort of pick your brain a little bit about what your approach is related to music, music making and trumpet playing and things like that. Um, and I hope the audience gets a lot out of it too. So before we start, I really appreciate you giving me some of your time tonight uh, that we could chat for a little bit. Well, it's it's my pleasure and I'm honored that you would ask me to contribute. I've, I've listened to uh, a bunch of your episodes, like I was, like I was saying, um, you know, going through the, you know, the big names that I recognize on there. And so I, I love the one you did with Barbara Butler. She's yeah, also a, a mentor one. of mine. So it, I, I found that like, yeah, really, really inspiring to hear. So anyway, yeah, I'm really happy to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that one with Barbara is a very popular one. It seems like uh, most people I come across who know about my podcast uh, definitely know about that episode. And um, it's just cool to get, for me, lots of different people's perspectives because being the one who's listened to all of the, the podcast episodes, <laughs> yeah. it's cool to hear, you know, Barbara has her way of communicating things, but there's just so many really awesome ways that other people speak about things that um, it's so cool that, to hear that other people have commonalities with things that she says, but people may not know about them. So I'm really hoping that in general, just trying to highlight different people who play well and who have cool things to say. And so obviously you play well, and I'm sure you're gonna have cool things to say. So this is exciting to be able to, to pick your brain in this way. Um, to get started, let's just dive into your backstory a little bit. How did you get started with music, get started with the trumpet, and we'll sort of follow your uh, educational and career path to where you are now. Sure. Um, you know, it, I, I think that's that 
my backstory uh, actually uh, has influenced who I am in, in a very significant way because um, I started band, I mean, I started trumpet and band in grade six, very normal um, in Western Canada, in Saskatchewan, um, and a very active band program through, through school. And so I played in high school, I played in a brass quintet and a jazz combo and an honor band. And like we had, you know, a, a jazz band and like I played in a brass quintet. Like I, I didn't know anybody else who played in a brass quintet in high school back then, you know, um, mm -hmm. this is in the eighties. So, um, the, the thing that about me is that I, I, I never really wanted to be a trumpet player. I mm -hmm. gave up the trumpet when I finished, uh, graduated high school. And uh, I got, I kind of got back to the trumpet in a sort of a funny way. I ran into this now fr I mean, friend of mine who was in the high school band. She was studying music education, and uh, she comes to me and says, "Hey, Karen, you know, you should join the band at the university, the wind ensemble." And I'm like, "Nah, I'm not really doing. That. I haven't played trumpet in like you know eight months or nine months, or whatever. I'm not really, I'm not really doing that right now." And she goes, "No, no." The music people, they're really fun and they have good parties. Okay. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, literally, that's what got the trumpet back into my hand. Wow. And that's, and then, like, you, so then I, I'd never taken a trumpet lesson. And this is like, was that my second year? This is my first year of university. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the guy who that was conducting the wind ensemble, you know, after a few weeks of playing again, I sort of got my chops back and he was like, who are you? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm just like an art student, whatever, you know. Anyway, so then he he was the trumpet teacher. So he pulled me out of there and mm. said, well, you should take lessons. I was like, OK, you know, <laughs> so then the second year of university, is when I had my first trumpet lesson. So like, <laughs> this is, like ridiculous. <laughs> this, anyway, so because of that, um, I was a late bloomer into classical music. So I always, and this is this is the point of that, is that I always had this feeling of like, oh man, I gotta catch up. Um, oh man, I gotta like, I gotta, you know, I gotta, there's so many things I need to learn. And like, I didn't know, like all these people that have studied music for their lives or whatever, and knew all the repertoire and I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to double tongue. I didn't know anything, you know, mm. like, so, but that sort of feeling of like, oh, I have to keep going. I have to keep trying and get better and get better has really shaped my whole uh, approach and my whole career so far. So I've always had this thirst and drive to like, I want to get better. I mean, I, I've been in this job playing principal job, but this is my, I think it's my 26th season here in Ottawa. I mean, you know, like it's a great job. It's, a, it's one of the best, uh, you know, the, one of the top jobs in Canada for sure. Um, contractually and pay and whatever, it's all totally on par with the Montreal Symphony and Toronto Symphony. <clears throat> so, it's a very and a beautiful place to live and a you know anyway so but i've always had this drive to like so i've always taken lessons i've always sort of had a mentor some some uh like more officially you know planned like i attended back in the day like i attended the arnold jacobs summer thing that was a week long session that he hosted in that was 1996 mm -hmm. and that and i was lucky enough to work with uh mr chikowitz had a very big relationship with canada and a lot of influence uh, of canadian trumpet players through the national youth orchestra of canada and also demen forger this summer the two-week summer thing that he used to go to so a lot and he loved he loved being in canada he was would spend most of his summer up here it was so we had this great relationship with a lot of Canadian trumpet players who strongly influenced him. And uh, so I did my undergrad in my hometown in Saskatchewan with that guy, Ed Lewis, the, yeah. the wind ensemble conductor. And um, then I went to McGill and I studied with the Montreal Symphony sort of dream team guys, Jim Thompson and Bob Early. Wow. Yeah. So that was like, 
every week going to hear those guys both both nights you know sneaking in second half <laughs> hear them <laughs> that was uh incredible three was that, years was that I... the around that time that they made a lot of those yep. like legendary recordings yep. yeah yep. wow yeah yeah it was uh in the late 80s so they were just they were touring all the time and they were recording all the time it was, it was pretty intense it was pretty cool to be witnessing that you know yeah so, yeah um did you have any jobs before the one you currently have or were you able to was this your first job out of school no i i, I freelanced in montreal for three years after finishing my master's and that was awesome, you know, getting to play with all the sort of with the Montreal Symphony quite a bit and the ballet and there and sort of air, smaller orchestras in the area, you know. Um, but I knew I wanted a job. So I actually won a job in uh, London, Ontario, southwestern Ontario. So it's just on the other side of Toronto. Uh, so I played two years there, principal trumpet. And then... Um, the former principal trumpet here at the National Arts Center, he he had a chop injury. And so they needed somebody to come in like that, you know? So they had uh, several months of people just filling in, uh, you know, people in the area. And I played several weeks as guest principal. And a result of that, they asked if I could play um, the next season. Mm. And... Lucky, even though I'd only been in or at Orchestra London for two years, they gave me a leave of absence to come play here. And then that turned into a second year and a third year. So I had three one-year contracts with the orchestra. And then, uh, unfortunately, for Pace Sturdivant, the, the guy who... He played 22 years here, I think. Anyway, he wasn't able to come back. And so that was his misfortune but my good fortune um, yeah is and uh yeah so that was so, so i was officially given the job here in 99 okay yeah but i i did my first season here in 96 what you were talking about about having this drive to get better and to always try to improve um i'm sort of there now you know i feel when i got my job the th trying to get the job is what pushed me to get better and to yeah. always, you know, just a little bit more refinement, a little bit more whatever improvement. And then when I got the job and I got tenure, you know, you lose this thing pushing you so hard because you're competing with all these other people. And unless you have a way to push yourself, uh, which is what I've sort of tried to develop lately, you sort of lose that basically, unless you want to chase recitals or other auditions or things like that. Um, and what I find to be difficult on, on another aspect of it is the sort of balancing, especially as a principal trumpet, balancing I have this drive to get better, but also coming forth with like I have the confidence of knowing that the work that I've done is sufficient for me to represent myself well and to lead the rest of the brass section, right? Like how do we go – like what's this balance of I'm learning, but I'm also able to do it, if that makes sense. And so I'm just curious what your take is on how to, you know, develop confidence as a principal trumpet player. Obviously, doing it is having done it for a number of years as part of it. But when you're maybe first starting out and trying to get in your get your footing, what is that like versus always trying to get better and just sort of let's see where that conversation goes? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, the more you do it, the, the easier it gets. Like, like... We always say, like, when I, when I step in front of the orchestra to play solo, I'm like, oh, he's so nervous. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. You know, like, and then you do it and it goes well and you're like, oh, yeah, I can do that. You know, like that was. But if I did it more often, I it wouldn't be such a big deal. So that's what happens when we're doing the job of playing first trumpet in, in an orchestra. Like at first, like so basically I've always sort of felt like. Somebody said this to me. I don't, I can't remember who, but I've always taken that. Like I gain confidence from my preparation. Mm -hmm. So I just and when I was younger, man, like it was like it was it was it was a lot of preparing, preparing like a, a lot of preparation. Because like I said, like like I only started taking lessons. What was that? Nineteen. 86 or something and I don't know it just it just was like a lot to learn so I got to this job in 96 and and like 
holy cow, like learn all these symphonies and blah, blah, blah. So I, I, and it was, it was, I was one of the younger members of the orchestra at that time and certainly in the brass section. So it was like an easy way to slot in and just these guys all knew how it went, all knew how, you know, so if I, I just, you just sort of slot in. So that, that, that was sort of an interesting experience, you know, cause I, I didn't have to lead much cause they already knew how mm-hmm. it goes and they're all playing together so much for so many years. They all, you know, they knew how they were going to play it before they played it sort of thing. So it was super easy to just come in and fit in, you know, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, the, like, getting confidence is like you just you just have to you you have to have it you have to you have to get it you have to figure it out somewhere whether you like it's your inner voice or you know like but i would like i said i would just always sort of be as ready as i could you know um to to execute you know in a way like and and all any any sort of trick or cue or thing i I was just getting ready to 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 do it you know yeah can you do you mind going into a little bit more detail and i'll kind of give you a way to frame frame it you know part of being prepared is just developing not just the general skill of general trumpet health but also the taking those general skills and making them specific to a given piece of music or whatever solos or difficult licks we may have so like you know when you're preparing in just your day-to-day uh, life obviously now you've played a lot of the repertoire so it's going to look different than maybe it did then yeah. so um maybe what did you value then in terms of your practice and what do you value now and how has that changed and then the yeah. other would be especially this is one i'm really interested because in i feel like it's the next step for me in many ways is musically how do you go from i kind of have a generalized idea of like what this should sound like to i have developed like my phrasing ideas through whatever kind of study that may have been ver- and however much listening does that question those those two aspects yeah. i'd be curious for your take yeah sure i uh, i mean like you know so you know i'm i have the privilege of having a job and so i know what i'm going to play next may you know mm-hmm. so i I know what, so I look at that and I look at the whole season and I, and if I know what we're doing, I, I try to learn things ahead of time. Like if there's tunes, I don't know. I mean, I don't always manage to do that, but I certainly try, you know, during a slow week, I'll, I'll look at something that's coming up in six months or something from now. Um, but, um, but when I was younger, I certainly did a lot of like playing along with recordings. Mm just for pacing and and um it's amazing now to have access to the score like that i find i you know score either online or the through the orchestra that they would give us a score digitally like it's i use that way more than i used to it's so and i find it's it's more so much more satisfying when i have this deeper picture of what the peak because i would i would simply without access to the score unless I buy it, which I did very, very often. But, you know, you have to learn things orally. So just by listening over and over and over. So now it's so fun, I think, to like, because then I can see, oh, yeah, okay, that's a D minor chord, and I need to like, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So it just makes it so much easier when you're in the context. And that, but now, like, yeah, I, I, you know, whatever, I, with big, like pop pop shows or whatever where we don't have access to the tunes and you're like sort of frantically learning these notes 10 days ahead or whatever mm-hmm. you know i i like i would i would look at my the parts and sort of put a little a little x a light x beside if there's a, a lick that i would deem you know oh boy <laughs> boy 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 i better look at that one you know <laughs> yeah. uh, but and so I think generally now, like for, for me, the, the, the key for me is maintaining my fundamentals. Like yeah. that, 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 that keeps me healthy. If I'm like, I don't necessarily have to learn as many notes, but I have to make sure that my conditioning is ready, you know? And so like, I always do a very, very good session. I mean, every morning, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, yeah, I mean, this is 
This is something that I sort of have always done, and it's sort of always been my philosophy, this idea if I can do... I used to think I'll just... I think it's a balance. Sorry, I just had like... I don't know if this ever happens to you. I had like six thoughts all at once, and I was trying to... <laughs> so it's a, it's a balance, right? Because in general, I used to think if I just get really good at the trumpet, I'll be able to play anything. Anything? Which I think is absolutely true. But to yeah. play anything at my absolute maximum yeah. level will take preparation beyond that. So absolutely. I think yeah, I think there's there's sort of a balance between the two, but as I've learned more and more repertoire, I find as you're describing, I have to spend less time like I don't have to spend as much time like learning Petrushka as I have because of all of the work I've done previously. Um and so I guess the question I have for you is, um, I think it's actually a really important question and I've never asked it anybody, but I'm going to start asking it all the time. How do you know you are getting what you need? Like what is triggered or signaled for you when things are right versus something's off? Because I think a lot of people spend time in the practice room and they're just going through some sort of routine or some sort of motions and they don't know their own playing well enough to know if something is right or something is wrong. And so trying to create a conversation that's like, well, when it feels this way it's right or when i sound this way it's right like how do you know you're on the right track and, and getting things in the right spot and if it's not right you know what i'm saying like how do you know how do you get to know you're playing maybe that's a good way yeah, to say it well uh, you know it's funny like i you know i like i i've done the 100 days of practice challenge three three winters now and it was completely selfish motivation because i was it was a January and I was super unmotivated. Like, I don't, it's dark, you know, it was winter. And then I'm, I'm looking at Instagram and there's Tom Hooten. And it was like day five. And I was like, oh, what's this day five? And then I look at his thing. It's like, oh, there's day four and days, you know. And then, then I found like, oh, wow, I'm, that was really inspiring to me, you know. So th that's why I, I, I was like, I felt motivated because to practice because I was watching him and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that too. But it was for me. I mean, if somebody else thought it was good, that helped them, then great. But it was totally because like, this is going to keep me driving forward because mm. I I know I'm in the blue January blues right now, you know? So, but, so that, that, I say that because that introduced, uh, daily video uh, recording of myself, which is so easy to get out of the habit. When we're doing yeah. auditions, when we're preparing for big things, we're in that habit, recording ourselves on the, you know, the old Sony Walkman or whatever, you know, back <laughs> in the day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But so now, like now it's amazing to have this camera and the metronome and then you look, listen back. And you're like, oh yeah, that's that fourth sixteenth is coming too late or too early or whatever, you know. So that that's been an incredible I mean, the lie detector, right? Like the yeah. metronome, the, the the recording. It's like, yep. but I mean, I, and I'm that's so that's when I'm like going hard and I really want to make sure things are really lining up, and that's that's what I do. But generally, I I start every day sort of like trying to stay loose shoulders stretching i'm very like these days again sort of driven by need because this shoulder starting up was has been bugging me i would say for a while so i've been actively strengthening like lifting weights and mm. whatever i know i know i'm, I'm, a, I'm a beast right <laughs> i know you can see exactly but it's uh it's interesting because i used to have this chronic like this this carpal tunnel ish but now that i'm stronger here i don't complain about my forearm mm. nearly as much yeah it's that... interesting it is actually how very interesting how the body works where it's like oh i have like a knee pain but it might yeah. be coming from your hip or oh, yeah. your ankle yeah, sure. it's, it's yeah. always somewhere downstream usually so i talk about that because i i'm always sort of checking in how did that feel how was that easy and then how did that sound did that sound good you know, I'm always, always, always asking that. I'm very rarely, I, I'm always kind of, because it just works, you know, it works to be kind of attentive to your production. And is my production efficient? And if I'm efficient, then I will last longer. 
Mm. You know, yeah. then I can practice longer. I can get through my list and, you know, like I do a practice chart, right? You know, and check it off. It's so satisfying checking that thing off, you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. So th that's how I check. I do the, I do the, like when I'm hardcore, I do the, I do the video, but, uh, you know, who likes to look at themselves? It's pretty <laughs> brutal. Like, and then, and then, but mostly every day, I'm just like, okay. How's my posture? How's the, you know, how does it sound? How did, did that feel easy? And I just want it to be easy and sound good. Yeah. And I, I, I totally agree. I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting sort of jumping off point for some of this conversation because, you know, at the level of production and efficiency you may be at now, uh, it's like a accurate litmus test. But for somebody who's still working through many issues in their playing where they're not as efficient as they're going to be or things don't sound as good as they want all the time, how as then you talked about, you know, teaching and you love teaching. So I'm curious uh, as as a teacher, how do you help students find that they're on the right track, even if they don't have this sort of objective litmus test to hold it up against? How do they know, okay, even though this wasn't perfect, I'm on the right track? Well, I, I, don't you think they have to use the same thing? Don't they have to like ha record themselves, listen back? Okay, did I like that? Did it sound good? Would I want to listen to that if I, or like if they're, auditioning or if they're on a you know like they're to, they're on the panel or they're the jury at a competition or you know like so but I, I yeah I, I do I do love teaching and I I it seems like I don't know it's very often people come to see me like even for like one-offs or sort of intensive lesson situation because they're in trouble very often that seems to happen I don't know I don't know why but so I don't know, but I, and I, I, I just, it always comes back to like, everyone's working so hard. It's like, it, it's, it's, it's not that hard. Yeah. I mean, it is hard. Don't I believe me. It's, it's hard, but we, we create so much tension in our body, like, and, and like, just like letting the air do the work. And if we're set up, you know, well at, at, at the, at the face and have a strong mental picture you know a concept in our ear and this strong idea of how we want to play that that's already i i i think stu students very often have that question mark you know like is that good well like did you like it you know like what's good to you tell me what who have you listened to that you think is good you know yeah so you know, I mean, I, I, I have question marks too sometimes, of course, you know, don't we all, but, and when I do, I, I, I'm not playing in a confident manner. I'm not playing in a, if I'm questioning, where's that note, or I don't hear it ear training wise, this is a, a weakness for me. You know, so like, like I spend time doing that. I make sure I know those intervals so that it's like, I can grab onto that, whatever that is. Yeah. This is, to me, it's kind of like the crux of this whole of, of like practicing and getting better is being able to do what you just described, which is, is it good? And like figuring out, well, like you have sort of two paths that could diverge from there, right? Like asking the question, is it good? You could either ask, say like, well, like I'm going to let somebody else tell me what they think is good and try to achieve that, which there is value. That's why we have teachers for a period of time. Right. But at a certain point, um, you will have to go the other path, so to speak, and be able to define, I think, in adjectives, but in some format, what you think a good sound is, what you think your articulation should sound like, how you want to move through phrasing. Like, um, you should be able to say to some degree, this is what I value. And so that you can then hold all the work you're doing up against this sort of standard that you have developed over time. This is by the mental picture you're describing. I just think it's something that I heard a lot, you know, like the sound in your head. That's a big Arnold Jacobs thing, you know, and I, I think I understood it sort of vaguely, but I didn't understand how to use it to my advantage. I just thought, Oh, I'll just hear this picture and then try to do it. Not realizing that that's actually the thing that's helping keep me on, on track overall you know the mental picture in your head of efficiency and it sounding good is what's keeping you on track and so it seems to me one of the first and most important things to do for students is to develop some version of that and usually it's just modeling from a teacher but being able to start to have a relationship with exactly what you said what do you think sounds good 
and how would you describe that? I think is an important exercise for everybody to be able to do. Yeah, I, I, I'm now in the habit of, and I never used to be like this, you know, but I'm now in the habit of this, this approach for the students of like, hey student, you are your own best teacher. You, the faster you can, can, you know, listen and <clears throat> diagnose and, and like you're saying, uh, dissect and, and put into words or formulate uh, views of like, how did that go? What can I do to make it better? What did I hear? What do I want to do? What am I doing? What do I want to do? You know? So, yeah, that's... I, 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 and I think like, I, honestly, I, for, for a long time, I, I was just sort of chasing, chasing like, oh God, you know, I'm just not, it's not good enough. I just got to keep going and I'm just not sure. And, and <clears throat> I mean, I, I, you know, I still am, I still have that. I still like want to keep going. Like I, you know, I hear Chris Martin or like name any great player, you know, Tom Hooten. Like, I just like, wow, that's. That's my modeling, right? So that's what I want it to sound like, you know? Yeah. Berlin, Phil, these guys, you know, it's like to, to, yeah. Anyway, so that's, yeah. Guy, I got a kind of a devil's advocate question then. Because uh, I, I agree. Well, I sort of agree and I disagree with the um, you're your own best teacher. I think that ultimately has to be true. But I think when students are younger and they have a teacher or a mentor type situation, like the teacher's the expert. And, and that sits so it's like sort of balancing like I'm the expert so you'll do what I'm talking about but as soon as kind of what you're saying like as soon as possible when you're like ready you also they need to take the reins because if that never happens then you're sort of beholden to other people helping you to get better for forever and you lose that ability to drive yourself which I think is what creates that long-term progress well yeah I mean yeah like I'm not saying students don't have any teachers. Right, know, of like, course no, not. No, no, <laughs> no. But they are the people. They are the ones who hear themselves all the time. I hear them one hour a week. You know. Mm -hmm. So how you know if they want to keep getting better, like they or and they do obviously. I mean, pres let's presume that. Then the sooner they can get in this habit of like, okay playing something and be evaluating how did that feel how do i feel about that what is that you know is that did that go how i went and and a lot of times they're like oh, I, th I think it was good or i think it was bad <laughs> or you know so yeah and having this sort of like ability to express the the intention and direction yeah it's it's a uh, I I find a lot of people are are they find that part hard. Yeah. I I know I did. I know I did, and which is why I think I was always like like I said like trying to just always having mentors. You know when I when I graduated with my master's, like right away that first year I I I had a self directed study and, and got a grant to go work with Mike Sachs like four times. I'd fly down to Cleveland and from Montreal and just keep you know, getting more gimme, you know? Mm -mm. Do you, have you read the book Peak? Do you know about this book by Anders Ericsson? Yeah. Yeah. So this is like a huge thing in his approach is getting feedback, right? And, uh, you know, what we're talking about from that, from that framing, what we're talking about is, you know, when a student is there, you know, they hear themselves the most. And it's like, right, that's why recording is so important is because you need that feedback. But what you're talking about is something I think is very interesting that we lack in the sort of our way that our music field is set up is you get this early stage of tons of feedback from a teacher. And then after that, it's not common to have regular uh, feedback, right? Like, so you, you have to like go to extra special efforts to continue to, to get feedback. And I find that interesting because it's a financial and, you know, impact. It's a, obviously if you got a grant, you had some assistance there, but yeah, it's kind of a weird thing about our, about what we do that we don't say like, I'll continue to study after this. It's like, I got to learn everything in four years. And then if I don't, I'll never figure it out <laughs> after that. You know, it so, can feel you know, that way. Yeah. So, you know, like, like opera singers have, Coach, vocal coaches their whole career right tiger woods how many coaches did tiger woods have swing right. coach a putting coach a this coach like like 
you know, Olympic level, the highest level performers in whatever field, they all have a team of people giving them feedback, helping them to like run faster, jump higher, whatever. So like, so like I, 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 did so fast like about i don't know was that what year is that a dozen 10 years ago maybe i decided okay i'm sort of mid-career and i sort of felt like okay i need a push so i did again a self-directed thing this time with phil smith i would go down to like new york five six times in a season you know have lessons here the new york philharmonic and uh my colleagues were you know, I was just like, hey, would you do this? Weekend? Oh, man, I'm just back from New York. I had a lesson. And I was like, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, are, are like you, you did are something. You okay? Yeah, yeah. I, I, is there, are, are you in trouble? Is there something going on with your chops? I'm like, no, there's nothing wrong. I'm just trying to get better. Like, oh, that's so good for you. You know, it's like, <laughs> why? I don't understand in our industry why more people uh, don't do that uh, it just yeah. is it boggles my mind because i can say very safely that you know like we get into these jobs and we get into this grind and life and kids and you know we're busy and and it's it is it is legitimately busy and then you pretty soon you get into these habits and all of a sudden you're like you know you're playing you got this posture like this or you know or your shoulders doing this like who knows what right yeah, yeah. and and that happened totally to me 100 percent. it's like when did i start doing that you know and it's easy to get like uh to plateau it's so easy and we want that trajectory to keep going forward and up and you know, I mean, I admittedly, I realize that like life and the career is like an arc, you know, like, so I'm trying to like keep that the down <laughs> from, <laughs> from, as, from as far away as possible. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I have yeah. not a theory, but sort of I've been postulating on this idea too, is that like, you know, when you're in school, you take out loans and you get lessons every single week and you're not like comprehending like how much you're spending like how much you would yeah. be spending if you were paying for this, you know, it's like, could be a sizable sum of money. And so when you get out there, even the idea of spending, you know, a thousand dollars over the course of a period of time on lessons can be like, Oh, there's, how could I possibly do that? But like, yeah. you're, you know, seeing yourself as some sort of investment is like what you're doing. It's like, as if you are the business and you need to invest money in the business for the business to be able to grow. You could sort of see it the same exact yeah. way, I think. And in, in Canada, I mean, all of that stuff is like tax deductible. Oh, nice. Yeah, like totally, yeah, totally I guess it's professional legit. development. Yeah, professional development, research, like legit, like actually, and it actually is and helpful. And yeah, I, I would, but it's scary. I'm not gonna say that it was easy to go in there and, okay, hello, Phil Smith. <laughs> Here's pictures at an exhibition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, but you know, it's uh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So, I guess the next logical thing to ask is, what kinds of what what? Because you already have a job, right, at this stage, and so you obviously are playing at a high level. You know, it's not like you're not doing well. Like you're saying, your college, like, is everything okay? It's like yeah, everything's fine, but I'm trying to improve. So what? When you go to play someone for like Mike Sachs or Phil Smith or any other mentor, what what did you notice? Like, what kinds of improvements did you notice uh, in that? Was it a musical improvement? Was it like more efficiency? Did you find yourself better able to just sort of like do the job with more ease in general? Like, what kinds of things did you feel that you improved that made you be like, yeah, this is awesome. And I'm fired up that I did this. Well, um, you know. <sighs> Orchestra life, like a lot of it can, a lot of what influences how we play is our physical environment, right? The acoustic we're in, how we're seated, you know, it, proximity to people, like the, what kind of conductor we have and any liberties or controlling that they, they may or may not do can be very influential on, on our playing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... I was in a situation where we had a music director for a long time where he he just wanted the brass to be very blended. 
very and, and the orchestra I mean beautiful sounding orchestra very round but like you know very blended no it's too much tonguing too much tonguing you know like yeah. so to do that for quite a few years and like so I was looking to I saw that that music director was you know not not going to be there the whole time so I wanted to sort of keep in touch with like no no this is the time this is the t articulation that we want to use yeah know? yeah and and I will say like I think that sometimes we get also like conductors and and like this the freedom of like playing like really blowing through instead of like trying to be safe and I don't want to cack you know mm -hmm. and that's legit like I don't want to cack um but yeah. it can it can, <laughs> it can pull us back from being free if you're trying to control each note and that 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 was definitely something that what I would say my most recent mentor is has been Barbara Butler and that's something that she definitely it's like yeah you sound fine you sound good like you know she listens to our live streams from from Ottawa and texts me you know nice. hey good job you know it's like oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> fan girl you know anyway but but yeah. that's definitely something that like really releasing and really following through instead of like just playing like really kind of controlled and careful do you are there any sort of lessons you learned from these mentors that were sort of things you already had been taught or you already knew but being with them they sort of reminded you it's, of the importance and is there value in like sort of even spending money getting your time to be reminded of things that you already know oh it's isn't that what we hear every week yeah <laughs> I think it's I think it's an important perspective, you know. It's like you'll learn these things, but it's impossible to synthesize everything you'll need in a short period of time. And sometimes impossible. we just need to be I mean, I have stories that I could tell that in the same way. We just need to be reminded. Here's the important things about playing an instrument. Your everything is great. Just like don't forget to do this thing. And that that can be, you know, if that provides longevity in your career, it's totally yeah. worth the investment. Yeah. 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 That's basically what like Oh yeah, don't back off on the air, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't back off on the air when you're going down. Oh yeah, right. Okay, you know. And I know I think we can also get. I don't know. I've I've sort of been, uh, whatever. Without getting too uh, too trumpety, but I've always sort of had a, and maybe it's because I uh, didn't have lessons as a, a young player, like I mentioned. But like I've always had kind of a hammer tongue. Mm -hmm. And I've always sort of used the tongue too much. And I've always had this like, oh, back off the tongue and add more air, add more air, air first, air first. And like, I, I, I mean, so yeah, that's what I always hear, like, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's, I mean, a, like a strong articulation is good in the right style, but you know, if it's not followed by good wind, sure, sure. It's, it's not going to be. Well, healthy. that's very true. Like, I mean, this isn't going to be a little trumpety, but I find people misunderstand how to play in an orchestra. They hear orchestral players play with very clear and crisp clear. articulation, which is necessary, but they miss the follow through as the, the thing that makes it work. Because if yeah. you don't have that follow through, it just sounds like you're tonguing really hard. Yeah. And, and you it's get no. Yeah. You get, you don't have like, it's not like coordinating this beautiful full sound. It's like, here's the, the articulation and it can sound kind of either pecky or um, aggressive. Yeah. Like aggressive, yeah. almost ugly, depending on yeah. how well you or would not well you are centered on whatever that yeah. notice. Yeah. And it's funny because. This speaks to a little bit of that deliberate practice stuff where you're trying to interpret what experts are doing. But if you don't understand what's actually going on, you'll, you may focus on the wrong aspect and then spend all your time trying to figure out how to incorporate this thing that's not actually what makes somebody yeah. great at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just a little cool. side thing. Um, cool. I think we should move on to... Because we've been talking a lot about the trumpet, and the music career stuff, but you do so many other things that are awesome and interesting. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the Canadian Women's Brass Collective that you started? Um, yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, it's a new group. Uh, we started in 2019. <laughs> Just and, in time uh, for a pandemic. Yeah. 
<laughs> was that the was that the year? Yeah, it was I the think year it was after, 2019. Yeah. yeah, I think it was the yeah, right. So basically it was like this. I'm looking at social media. And it was around Christmas time, and I see all these like IWBC International Women's Brass Conference stuff, like they're doing Christmas concerts and like fundraising. And I was like, man, that is so awesome. Like, I wish that we, and I've been to that conference twice. Once it was held in Toronto and hosted by uh, the late Joan Watson, uh, former uh, principal horn of the Canadian Opera Company. Mm-hmm. And so, and then one other time, uh, oh God, I don't remember what year that was, 2003. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I, so I've been in it like it's super inspiring and enriching. Um, and I was like, man, too bad we don't have something like that around here. It was basically that. But then I kind of like had this light bulb moment of like, oh man, like maybe, maybe that's something that should happen and i was like oh man this maybe maybe that's something that's like maybe that's what i should do mm-hmm. you know uh you know so i was like oh my god now i'm gonna have to do this <laughs> because i've had i had uh m- women who uh were inspiring mentors just by the sheer fact that they were there in the job joan watson was one when I was a young, start, first starting in, in Saskatchewan, you know, like literally before the internet, you know, I heard that there was this woman in Toronto, you know, I'd heard. And, and then when late, later, five years later or whatever, I'm in Montreal and there's second trombone, Vivian Lee, mm-hmm. and she recently retired. And like just every week, there's one woman, okay, I can do it. So visibility is important as we all are like be talking a lot about like inclusivity and and it like so so yeah so there you go i i just decided okay what can we do and so it made i just sent an email i thought of who geographically it may make sense to like have it sort of in eastern canada you know canada's a big country so obviously and so like i have no money to do this but what can we do you know so i sent an email to like as many people as i could think of and like every single and said i have this idea i think we should do something like like the women's brass conference like that they do and do it like in toronto where we can have the greatest impact and just just and just do it just show that it can happen you know mm-hmm. and it was um it it might end up being the most important thing I've done in my career. It's like crazy how 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 amazing it's been. Like it was just an unbelievable experience. Like every not one person said no, because I wrote them and said I want to have this idea. I have no money. You won't get paid. You might have to pay to be yeah, there. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right. And no one said no. People said I wish I could. I'm busy. I'm working. Blah blah blah. But nobody said no. I, I... So we just had this incredible experience. And so then we were like, okay, man, we got to do it again. Let's do it every two years. And we thought we would do it anyway. But so then we had this great plan in 2021 and we didn't do it. Yeah. So we actually transitioned. There's a lot of content online. We have on YouTube and on you know CanadianWomen'sBrassCollective.com. That if anybody's interested, there's a lot of like really great information and great speakers, and we have um, all sorts of all the all the instruments. Um, we had this idea of doing regions, so we're slowly going through spotlighting the regions of Canada. Mm. So we did Western Canada and those players who are out there, and we did a little bit of Eastern Canada and those you know. So now we haven't hit all the regions yet, but. That's yeah. the goal. Do you think the pandemic, obviously, in many ways, the pandemic was a horrible yeah. thing to have happen. But like for me, there's some interesting things that I'm doing now that I wouldn't be, even have considered if sort of a pandemic wouldn't have stopped me in my tracks. Do you think, you know, being forced to go online and provide content in this way is something that you may not have originally thought of, but is kind of a unique, cool 
way that you can provide content now with this uh, women's collective? Because it seems like being able to feature all these different people, it's like, if well, if we can do it online and keep that going where it's not like a scheduling issue, it's just whenever they can do it. Do you think like to some degree the pandemic kind of brought about a unique offering for this? For for sure. Definite, definite pandemic silver lining, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because there's no way. We did have some things, uh, photos and some videos as that were taken during our sort of like three day, it was only a three day thing. Um, but yeah, for sure. But now we have lots of stuff online. And so it's, it's kind of cool because, you know, now I've received people from around the world have contacted me to say like, Hey, really appreciate what you guys are doing there. And we wanted to start something like this, like here in, in, in Australia, or we want to start something like this here in, in Germany. What, how did you guys get it going and what did you do? And, so I've been on Zoom calls with like people I never would have, you yeah, know. Yeah, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. side effect of the podcast too. Is like I wouldn't be talking to you if I hadn't started a podcast, you yeah. know. Yeah. Like obviously the trumpet thing is pretty cool, but I've connect, I've been connect so much more connected through this than I ever had been as a just as a trumpet player. So it sounds well, kind of similar for you. It, it's amazing what you're doing, Ryan. Like it's just it's such a gift to us people who are are listening and having opportunity like to to learn and hear about these from experts you know like i said like barbara butler like honestly like i've listened to that episode i think three times mm -hmm. like it's it's kind of my go-to when i'm on on a, on a road trip and like i sit up a little straighter because mm -hmm. she just inspires me that way like i just like i just want to do better because she kind of like she lights the fire for me and yeah, uh yeah. and that's like incredible what you, you what you're giving to the world as this like what a resource well i appreciate that as we were talking before it can can wear on you a little bit the yeah. not not the conversation conversations are by far the best part but yeah it's just the non-stopness it's just uh, every oh, yeah. single yeah. week i have to you know so uh we don't have to talk about me though um to sort of close this out and it could be related to uh what we were just talking about or it could be related to your career or trumpet playing or whatever you want to talk about um i think stories of struggle kind of and and lessons we learn from that are some of the most important things that we can share because it helps us connect with each other in a different way and also i feel like the lessons that we learn when we explain i went through all this to learn it it's not like it's any more or less legitimate. We can just understand how it applies, I suppose. So I'm just curious if there's any sort of like playing struggles that you had to overcome or if there was a time in your career where you were like, maybe you were going through something and you were like, I'm not sure if this is going to work out or the struggles with getting something like this brass collective off of the ground. And then, you know what I mean? Just if there's anything, I would be very curious to hear um, just about an example uh, from your life. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I think that I think that what I did not expect as a young musician, I did not expect that interpersonal uh, challenges uh, as a musician. I did not expect uh, that and how draining that can be as someone who is in a leadership role. Um, as a principal trumpet, you know, like generally my leading style is like, I just lead with my playing. Generally, I'd very, I almost say almost nothing to the section, to anybody. I almost say, almost, we don't, we don't really, you know, I just try to come prepared and try to play consistent. Yeah. And then maybe in the dress rehearsal, we get to something that's like, oh yeah, maybe long or diminuendo, whatever, you know, we don't really, but the, they, 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 I'm definitely called upon to be a leader and be principal trumpet when there's a problem. Mm -hmm. So that 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 that's that's been that's been something that it has been uh, a surprise and continues to be something that I challenge. I am challenged with trumpet wise. Um, I would say that the pickle of trumpet has 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 burned me a few times. Mm. I'm, I'm not one of those players that can pick it up and just 
oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> Beam under mass, no problem, you know? So, um, and balancing piccolo trumpet and big trumpet, you know, like, so we, we were, right? It's, that's, uh, that's just, and it continues to be a challenge for me of getting like, cause getting enough finesse and control, but, but, but range and then power, yeah, you know, right. I don't know. So, yeah. yeah, I've been, I, I mean, it's, it's gotten better over the years, but there's a period of time where they just felt like they were two completely opposite things. You know what I mean? Like the piccolo and then the big horns. And it was like, I just never totally. thought I was going to like ever make any progress, especially on the piccolo. Like, how am I ever going to be able to play anything of this music? You know, if it shows, if I have to play Magnificat, like, how am I going to do that? You know, I felt like I remember feeling that way because it's gotten better over the course of time. You know, from studying with people like Barbara, she's got such a beautiful piccolo approach. It was really oh, helpful. Man. But um, I feel you on that one for sure. <clears throat> but, you know, that that, and that reminds me, that's when I did that self-study like, with Phil Smith. That was kind of my number one goal. Like, and he basically said, well, then you just got to practice some more. I'm like, okay. So, and so kind of since then, I, I, I practice it not every day, but I certainly like three or four days a week. I play the piccolo. Yeah. That's more than I do. Yeah. But, but because I, 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 I've been burned. I've yeah. been really burned. And, um, thankfully quick knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> not that recently yeah yeah <laughs> the last major burn was 25 years ago you know so yeah but, but probably uh, because of what you're doing and that's it's a kind of interesting an interesting angle for these discussions of either failure or struggle whatever you want to say like those events that seem horrible which they are not pleasant to go through you know the 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 direction you took after that and the way that you've approached it is probably why you haven't had something like that yeah. in the last like 25 years. Yeah. yeah, 25 years or more. Yeah. Like I, I, like I, and I'm like still not over it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, yeah. no. I mean, I just respect the thing. Uh, so, and I realize it has a lot of power over me. So I just try to like, okay, I'm going to treat you well. I'm going to take care of you. You got to take care of me, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We got right of spring coming up in a few weeks. We'll see. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 That's like, anyway, that's a whole other conversation. So um, this has been wonderful. I really appreciate you giving me some of your time. It's been an absolute pleasure for me to get to know you a little bit sometime down the road if we're still going, you know. <laughs> 160 episodes later or whatever we should definitely have 1060 yeah. episodes <laughs> probably try to get you back on the podcast again just to continue some of these conversations um if people are interested in getting in touch with you because they enjoyed this episode or they're curious about lessons you mentioned that people do some one-off lessons or they want you know they want to come hear you at the orchestra or something like that is there any way that people could get in touch with you um well, yeah, I, I mean, I I don't have a website or anything. I'm not that cool. You're on Instagram, I'm not that though, cool. right? I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. That's an easy way to get through me. Or like, you know, yeah, the orchestra, the orchestra's live uh, live streaming. So we have quite a few things on uh, in our library of uh, like, let me see what's up there. Hmm. It doesn't matter. If they want to look, there's yeah. check four and there's uh, well, we recently did Shostakovich trumpet piano concerto. Oh, cool. That uh, and Martin concerto for seven uh, wind instruments played that last week. That's still up there. Cool. That that was really fun. I've never played that piece. So that was, yeah, but um, sure. That'd be, yeah. Yeah. So if there's any, you kind of <laughs> want to reach out and say, thanks for the, uh, let Karen know what you thought. That would be awesome. If you need to get in touch with me, you can do that on that's not spit.com or that's not spit on Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode or you had any feelings at all whatsoever, I'd appreciate it if you gave this rate episode a rating and a review on iTunes or the podcast, however you want to view that. And please don't forget to share this on social media so other people can find the episode as well. Uh, thank you so much, Karen. Again, this was a, a real pleasure to really have you on the show. It was fun to meet you. Yeah, thanks. And again, thanks so much for everything you're doing for, yeah. for all of us. It's an amazing resource. I appreciate the support you, very, very much. You. Yeah. Uh, Everyone should subscribe. <laughs>
Uh, I want to thank Brandon Yoakum for his work on mastering this episode of the podcast. You can check out Brandon's work at epiphanyrecordingstudio.com. And most of all, I would like to thank you for listening. Stay strong, be kind to yourself, never stop growing, and we'll see you next time. Music